So John chapter 1, please. Father, I just ask you uh, for the capacity to be on track with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I defer to you, and I defer to the living word of God, and I wait upon you in any place you stop me because you are the only one that truly knows who we are, where we are, and where you are, and who you are. So we want your help. I want your help. I do not want to carry out uh, repetitions that, that do not bring forth new life, or traditions that hinder the Word of God from having effectiveness. And I do not want to uh, ignore the Holy Spirit and not allow His leadership to take, take me. I want to be deferring. So I just, we ask you. Now, Lord, soften our hearts to prepare to hear and do the work, a great work in us a great work in us that has been accomplished in the Son. We just give you access. We want an Abraham moment. We want to come into greater revelation of this Melchizedek, our high priest, this new, this kingdom relationship we walk in. We thank you for what you're doing in the earth today. We thank you that you are moving in the nations and they are strong hand. And we thank you that you're calling nations to yourself. That's the important to you, that nations return to you and defer and that the ones you have called would come alive again, back in their faith and awakened. But start with us. Start with us. We, we start with us. Start with me. Start with me. Know me. In Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. But what a nativity story, eh? It's not, John knew Jesus in such an intimate way, and he had, this probably 60 years after the resurrection, he writes this. He's not just talking on the human course of what was happening of the seed of David, seed of Abraham being brought into, in, through Mary into Jesus, the, the little baby. But now he's talking about what God was doing and has always been doing. So let's jump over. We'll come back here, but let's go to Genesis chapter 1. If you'll give me some uh, space and stay with me, I think you're, we're all alert now because of just catching the, the breath of what God's doing. This is the first, in a way, this is this, a nativity moment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this is a moment. Then there's a pause. Unfortunate war breaks out. Uh, a usurping of an archangel, Lucifer, who becomes Satan's thrust to the earth, creates havoc. And so we find that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Isaiah prophesies that God did not create the earth without form. It's like he didn't get halfway done. He, fit, he was perfect, and then iniquity was found. He was thrust down, created havoc, and yet he did not look away. He kept on moving because everything that we're walking through has already accomplished in Christ before time began. We learn who he is through walking through time, but we are not, he is ahead of us at the end of time. And he, before, Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world in God. God knew to create man to have family what it would cost him before it happened. 
Do you understand? He did not, he was not surprised at Adam's sin. He was not surprised. He knew what it would cost him that for God the Father to have many sons. God the Son would have to become the Son of Man. And the Son of Man would have to take upon himself by the Father placing upon him our sin, sickness, disease, and death. And then by, through death, destroy him who had the power of death and save us who were slaves to the fear of death. And he knew that. So this is, this is, a, this is the heart of commitment. He just said, I started this. I knew where it was going to take. I knew when Lucifer would fall. And Lucifer thought he was going to separate and become a, his own entity, a franchise. But he was thrown down and created havoc. But I knew that this, this was a whole part of the maturity of, the, of, of sonship, of something, bringing many sons into glory. So the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So this is the state of which the earth is found now. And it's pretty much a picture probably I sometimes feel of my life. You just, there's just chaos. There's darkness. See, darkness, this, it, darkness has this, um, I won't, in the Strong's Concordance, it's just a picture of misery, of sickness, of de desertedness, of, of debauchery, of wickedness. Because that fallen angel was on the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So, though it is that dark, it's that disruptive, Holy Spirit is just hovering. We don't know how long, because it doesn't tell us how long any of this. Before the word, he said, let there be light, then we start getting some counting of days, but he's just doing it. And that's, that's what prayer positions us into, a posture of submission into a movement of Holy Spirit hovering, where he can begin to sort out, get hearts, hearts that have become hard to start to be soft, hearts that have become self-righteous, to be convicted. He just... It's just so important, Holy Spirit, how he operates. So then God said, light be, or light. And there was light. This moment, just of God's voice, Father speaks, word becomes, Holy Spirit executes. Boom, the Trinity. Wham, bam. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And he called the light day, and he called the darkness night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So from a supernatural, spiritual, to a natural expression, day and night, God has initiated recreation, renewal. Uh, and, it, and he continues on. So now we can go back to John, and let's understand what was happening because we just read it first John John chapter 1 again he uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God that's it, it, John is so convinced of the word becoming flesh that when he writes in the epistle his epistle in chapter 5 he says there are three who are one inside heaven we would, we would think, oh, yeah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He says, no, Father, the Word, and the Spirit. Uh, the essence of who I am is what I say, 
connected to who, what, I can't, what I do. If I say and don't do, then I am double-minded and hip, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a liar. But, but God cannot lie. So what he says, he is the word. And so the word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This word. And all things were made through him. Do you understand? This is logos. It's not rhema. You don't get rhemas without the logos. Jesus knew he was the word by revelation. See, Jesus wasn't Jesus in heaven until Jesus became Jesus, the name, upon the announcement of Gabriel to Mary to when he became flesh. Do you understand? He was God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit. He was God. But now he empties himself, and by the word of God, he is sown into the womb of Mary, and her, his seed becomes connected to her egg, and that's why they'll call his name Jesus. That's when he begins to be known. I mean, of course, God knew his name. He wasn't like, oh, what are we going to call him? What are we going to call him? <laughs> Do you understand? But for this, the weakness of our flesh, I'm trying to give us some some boundaries, because a lot of Christianity is just a whole bunch of traditions that nobody even knows where they came from. Not, not like a whole bunch, but it's just kind of fuzzy. That's why the Bible is just like, Jesus and John 8 has a thrilling encounter. He says, many of the Jews believed in him. And so he immediately goes to the believers and says, if you will abide in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And they became so offended that, they, that he even said that they needed freedom and got in such a conflict. Now, can you? I, I was just pondering this to yesterday. Imagine, or two days ago, the word of God is... People are believing the word is made flesh and dwelling among them. This is the Messiah. We're believing. And then he says, no, now get into my word. The word, he went all the way to become flesh. Now he's saying, get into my word. Get into my word. And they're going, we don't need your word. Come on. It's like, that's, it, I just was like, crazy. The word became flesh. Let's go back. Don't, you, good job. Good job. The word became flesh. It was, everything was made. Let's go back to verse 2. Chapter 1. Are, we, are you with me? I'm, I'm not, if I, I don't want to lose you. I don't want to try to be all highfalutin. It's not highfalutin. The reason we're living a defeated life is we're not accepting the truth of what God accomplished or knowing the truth of what God accomplished and thereby submitting to God in the truth of what he's accomplished and saying, okay, well, these things have been established. These are now what must be because you have said it to be. And he, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing that was made was made. This Jesus, who now we're going to behold as a man, but the word was made everything. He, in him was life, Zoe, and without, and the life was the light of men. The, the, the beauty of what God is doing in us, 
And we don't have to be old. We don't have to be young for God to be doing the depth of salvation and inheritance and liberty. He's doing it inside. He says, so the life was the light of men. His life was light. So he brought life into death. He brought light into darkness. He commanded light to shine out of darkness. And the light shines in the darkness, illuminates. And the darkness did not comprehend it. It really literally means it did not eagerly seize it. It's kata labano, means it did not grab it. And we know in John 3, the reason is because those who, do, who, who, who live in darkness don't want the light. So we begin a separation. Just as he separated right in the first Genesis, there's, there's a separation that's going to become so evident. That's why Jesus in John 7, his brothers say, you've got to go up to the feast and show yourself and do some miracles and get your PR work in and get yourself and do you know, more exposure. Dummies. That's the world's way. And you of time is always. And the world isn't going to want to hear me because I, I, I testify of its wickedness, of its rebellion. So there's this darkness did not comprehend it, didn't grab it, didn't say, yes, I, I submit. I, yes, I will accept Jesus Christ as my Lord. This is why this is so getting strong now again. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came as a witness. He was not the light, he, uh, but that through him all might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness. There was a true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Every baby born has the witness of the light of Christ to give the, of the life to begin to give them illumination to go to find a point in time where they're going to seek out their creator. No man lives. You have to work hard to stop, to treat, to, to, to not believe in a creator and to not become aware that you have, that there is there's a, 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 a returning that I must find. But he was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. See, that's how darkness, when darkness gets a hold of me, it blinds me and puts me under the sway of the evil one, and I'm not even aware that I'm doing his will. Darkness has a way of, it just has that power. And they said that he, they were, he came to his own, to Israel, to covenant, and they would not receive him. This is, a, you know, what, what we're talking about is, is, is some, something that we will all be held accountable for our choices before the Lord, upon the judgment seat of Christ, where we will have to give an account of our, of our logos, of our story. We'll have to give him back our story. This is the story I submitted to that I heard from you, or the story, your story I refused because I heard you're an austere man. You, do, do, you, do, you take from people, so I had a bad image of you. So it's conflicts that can come. That's why we're doing this. That's why we come to church. That's why we worship. That's why we pray. That's so why we read the Bible, because there's no other way out of darkness except these paths. You've got to practice it. You don't practice it. It's, it, it's just, it's, there's so much. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right 
authority to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. How many of you received Jesus? Have you? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. Have you received him? If you've received him, he's given us the authority to grow up into sonship. We begin as babies desiring the sincere milk of the word. What's the first thing you, do you, can you remember you did when you came out of your mommy's tummy? Well, you can't remember. But if you're a mommy, you know what was after. Let's get her nursing. Got to get connected to a life source. Without the word, there is no, you will just you'll be a stillborn. You'll be dead soon. So they, 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 boom, there we are. Believing, believing. Believing is the beginning. Without, believing is just the beginning. Then comes discipleship. Into maturity, sonship. And we're known at the end as we began as followers. So he says, they were not born of blood. Means you, as we all know, children born in my house, are not guaranteed their salvation because they were born in my house because it does not transfer through blood salvation nor the will of the flesh. That means no matter how hard I try and how well I did or how little I tried and how bad I did, it would not create salvation. That's why if you blame your parents for your lousy life, all we are doing is judging our parents coming under the, under the dishonoring clause, therefore a life becomes darkened, and we get stuck. We can process what happened with our family, but we have to honor the office. We have to forgive and release so that God can initiate the true fatherhood that he wants to show and forgive us, because if we won't forgive our parents, then he can't forgive us. So this goes not of the will of the flesh, can't make it happen, nor the will of man, which is... Sometimes what our prayers become, like, you know, micromanaging God and what is happening on the planet and people. Lord, don't let this happen. No, don't let that person do that. Oh, please don't. When really the core that we're after is not managing decisions, but bringing people to an encounter, a revelation of Jesus Christ, to which then his revelation requires us to follow him. Does that make sense? Because the reason this gospel is veiled, it says in Second uh, Chronicles, Second uh, Corinthians four, is the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, lest they would see the glory of the God, the, the gospel of the glory of Christ. This gospel of the glory of Christ is the resurrected, glorified Christ. And when people would behold that, you have to start going, oh, I have to yield to this. This is truth. It's not something I can practice, and it's beyond what I can perform. And sometimes I wonder if it's even true, but it's true because it's written and it's been spoken, and I'm going to fellowship with God until my spirit begins to say yes and amen to the words I'm reading. It, it, because these are living words. They will take over. They will, they will. So it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is became. This is a moment in time. This is why the Christmas story is so imperative. It's the first advent. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the only begotten. This Jesus. He's the last Adam. 
After the resurrection, he is known as the firstborn among many brethren. But the, in this secret assignment, which most everyone missed, was it was to come to atone for sin, to deal with the devil, to destroy him who had power of death. He was coming like Abram to rescue humanity. He knew what it was going to cost. He had to be a, this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It had to be an exact representation of God. He was God, but he had emptied himself of all privilege, rank, resource, and had to live inside covenant. Believe the word of God, be filled with the Holy Spirit, get up early to pray, stay up late to pray. Because he was connect, keeping the connection forever. That's the journey of life. It's called sanctification for us. To learn to submit to the truth when we don't see it or feel it. To, to, uh, to get inside where I, recal I, I recalibrate. I wake up one way. I encounter God in, the, in my prayer time, and I leave always another way because I now leave in agreement. I now leave in, in, in blessing. So, uh, full of grace and truth, he became flesh. He dwelt among us. We beheld his glory of the only begotten Son, of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Later, it goes on later to say the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Yeah, right there. What a gift. What a, what a powerful thing is happening. Now, upon his resurrection and his ascension, and everyone's staring in the sky, and the angels have to say, you know what? The same Jesus who saw leave, he'll come back in like manner. So the second coming, the second advent, the second appearing is, is imminent as it was then. It's even more so now. And there's an anticipation. You don't have to decide when you get raptured. I just hope to go when God calls everybody. I don't plan to be left behind. But I'm not worried. I'm not going to make plans around a set date because it was never about a set date. It was about an appearing of a man. And, and when he comes, he's going to come in his brightness, in his glory, in clouds. He's, he's going to, he's, and he won't come to deal with sin. Sin's dealt with. He comes now to those who are eagerly waiting for him. So, so that's why we as believers are taught to be rejoicing, to live in peace, to live in love, to allow the life of God to abound because um, we've got it all. We're saved. We're healed. We're delivered. We're, we're sons of the Most High. We're accepted in the Beloved. If I go and return to the truth of what God has accomplished for me in the Son, who I am in the Son, where the Son is, where I am, and I just fellowship in truth, and with the Spirit of God coming to emphasize that truth is true, I will come into joy, I will come into peace, I will come into love, I will come into hope, regardless of circumstance. And we're the ones that are being trained to do this. So we don't defer to the sight, because the sight will build on the lie. You and I have a say in the outcome. We are independents. We get to choose our way. And um, uh, if we make the wrong decision, things are really going to go bad. If we make the right decision, we better get rewarded. Just a lot of squirrely thinking instead of just 
coming inside truth and submitting to the one. So go with me to First uh, John chapter 1. This is a, I just want to show you the scope of this. This is the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. John now is writing an epistle, but he's writing from the resurrection side of it. And as he was, in effect, talking about the full scope of what God, the Word, had become and was to do, and the light and the life. And John, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, and which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked upon our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So now John has the idea, has the, the, the ability to look back and go, you know, we were handling the word of life. This Jesus, we touched him. I used to put my head on his bosom. He could, be, he could bring the revelation of the Father because he was in the bosom of the Father. I got the revelation of Jesus. I was in his bosom. I touched him. The life was manifested, was rendered apparent, and we've seen it, and bear witness and desire to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. The eternal life was in the Son. The Son had come to bring us, rescue us, deliver us. That which we have seen and heard and declare to you. We've seen, we've heard, and we're proclaiming that you also may have fellowship with us. We're now in the fellowship of the brethren. We've gone beyond. We've been brought into relationship in Christ, but now we're living in fellowship. Fellowship is the benefit of relationship. Without the relationship, there can be no fellowship. It's like a husband and wife. Without the marriage, there can be no marriage because it's, it's, it's just convenience or or protection, or all the other things people do, but it's submission to covenant, to truth. And now we have fellowship, and we want you to have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, His Son, Jesus the Messiah. That's our fellowship. Everybody, everybody, this is your inheritance, is your fellowship with the Father and with the Son. That's, we are not passing through this life, to acquire a better life, to prove to others that we have been good Christians. We are here to fellowship with God the Father and the Son, to walk with God the Father and the Son, and to benefit. And, and whatever that happens on this planet, it's called sanctification, and it happens through believing the truth and not looking at the lie, not listening to what people are saying. Or we, There's not one of us in this room that don't have, we, you have access to that. You can go home this afternoon and say, Father, I want to fellowship with you. Jesus, the Son, resurrected, glorified, I want to fellowship with you. Now, when you do that, you want to look into the book and find out who he is. Because that's who he is. And that's how he fellowships. So it's, it takes effort. Lynn was very right. We're lazy. The author of Hebrews in chapter 5, when he introduces that the resurrected Christ, the Messiah, has now become the high priest of our confession, Melchizedek, he has to close the chapter by saying, there's so much more we want to tell you, but we can't because you become lazy, dull of hearing, lazy, just not working past that simple idea. The world's going to get so complicated in darkness that those who are the sons of light 
will rise above it and begin to glorify. But, but it, it, it will be the deceptions increase. And when the deception increases, those who have not honed themselves into loving the truth, loving the, knowing the Bible, knowing the one who wrote it, they're going to get deluded. They're going to get swept away. They're going to follow off of this and follow over there. And here's the Christ and there. That's what Jesus said. The mark of the last days is deception. So we want you to have fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, I will continue that. Yeah, joy be full. Joy be full. Joy be full, David. He wants you joyful. He doesn't matter where we are and what we're going through or who's doing what or who's saying what. We've got to... That's why I read the Bible. Because the Bible is a standard way beyond I'm living up to. Chapter 5. Today, disciples are called in by the Sanhedrin. They're released from the prison. They go back and preach. Now they're recaptured. We caught, brought back. They, they're, they're almost executed, but Gamaliel leads them in a direction that would have meant you're going to save yourself if you obey this advice because otherwise you're going to fight God and they wouldn't have died. The rest of the Sanhedrin might have died. But they went, they beat him. And they all went home. And I was thinking, oh, this, this, just like, this is how I live, Cammie, don't you? They went home rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for the name. Shame for the name. When we are brought into shame because of the name, it is not shame on us. It's glory upon us. Because we're identifying with a truth the world will not receive. Darkness will not comprehend, apprehend, eagerly gap. But we are not limited by what the world's saying. Our joy can be full. Now I want to take us to two, uh, two places. John, James chapter 4, verse 1. Let me talk about the conflict. Because Delin brought in that. And it was about Tuesday morning. Lord really began to talk to me about resisting the devil. And since we are in warfare, we have to position ourselves accordingly. So in James 4, it says, this is a rhetorical question, the brother of our Lord Jesus. So he, he grew up watching Jesus. So he's got a pretty good, he's, he, calls, he calls a spade a spade. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? In my body, it's got a whole list of Christmas goodies at once. But they're not to be given. It doesn't have a moral compass. It's just flesh. And if it's left alone, it's like a brute beast. It's like an animal. Gets in heat. Anybody left alone without Christ and without the Word, you know, whatever. Elvis Presley knew what it's true. Nothing but a hound dog. So we've been, we've been left to, to learn to, to rule, to rule. First Thessalonians 3 says, the first thing I want you to learn to do is sanctify your flesh and, and learn how to behave yourself so that you might, you know, so, but where they come, they're inside us and you lust and you don't have it. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight, you war 
And you don't have because you don't ask. Oh, you know, all I got to do is ask. Cool. I want, oh, Lord, won't you get me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches, must make a mint. I worked hard all my lifetime, no help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Right? Wouldn't that be, a, wouldn't that be just something else we could bring? <laughs> We're learning. I remember the first time when the Lord dawned on me back 40 years ago. He said, what would you do if I gave you Mercedes Benz? You couldn't even afford the insurance. You, you says you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasure. This isn't why prayer is to be answered. Prayer is to be answered for the glory of God, for the purpose of his name to be exalted, for the Father to receive fruitfulness. So then he now gets, he gets kind of, but this is important because a lot of times we can't resist the devil because we don't realize the devil's in us. We're, we're walking in cohoots. We're, you know, we're, yeah, we're, you know, like in fellowship with the devil, not with fellowship with Jesus. And you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, don't just shut that down and say, well, it doesn't mean anything about anything because it doesn't mean anything because God did everything. That's double talk. That's ignoring something that God's trying to address. He's trying to get to a part to free us. Because if we have the love of the world, we don't have the love of the Father. That means we don't understand the love the Father has for us because we're living in the world system. Though we're not a part of the world, but we now have become a part of the world again. Do you think that the Scripture says in vain that the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Once the Holy Spirit was placed within us, he said I'm here for one thing, is to bring you into Christ-likeness and to glorify the Son in the midst of you. I'm here to do this, and I'm, I'm here. I'm here, and I'm committed. He gives more grace, though, but he gives more grace. More grace. More grace. It's time now. We come out of this into the grace. Listen to this. Scope of this grace. He says, God resists the proud. Beloved, one thing I know, that God is committed to take every proud thought and smash it to the ground, Amen. every proud look, and push it back into, into awareness. He is not. Pride is the beginning. Pride is the original sin. Pride is that idea that I can actually do this pretty good without God or, or at least getting with his help I do better than had he. Yeah, it's just silly thoughts. He resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Resists the proud. Gives grace to the humble. Therefore, now, since that's the truth, here's follow the progression. Submit to God. This is, beloved, this is, I remember Tommy Tenney's dad at a, at a retreat with him and about five other pastors. And old Pentecostal leader. And he said, well, I like to get near to somebody so I can just bristle up and feel their spirit. You got a good spirit. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank, you know, and, and later he said, 
You could take the Bible and reduce it to one word. Submission. Coming back under God. So submit to God. Means, the word to submit means to, to, re, to, re, to place myself inside of the orderly setting of how God wants life to work. To submit myself to the orderly progression of what he's doing. To, to, so he says, submit to God. Resist the devil. Resist the devil means you get in his face and you say no. You're not having access here. You're not going to touch that. You're not going to move into my life. So resisting the devil says, you're not going to torment my mind with evil thoughts. You're not going to draw my eyes away from the one God, the one true God. You're not going to have my children. You're not going to take my money. You're not going to take my body. You're not going to kill me. I'm not going to die. Jesus has made me alive. I'm saying no. But the reason that sometimes doesn't work is we didn't submit to God. So we try to use the name of Jesus like the seven sons of Sceva. Let's see how this works. And the devil says, you know, I've heard of, I know who Jesus is. He whipped me. I'm dead. I'm out. I'm, no, I, I'm borrowed time. I've heard about Paul. Who are you? Who are you? And so, so the submission to God is the key. And the submission to God is the Bible. And if you don't read the Bible, dear God, how can you know you're submitted to God? Oh, well, I just, just pray until I feel good and kind of have an idea God's good, so everything has to be good. God's always doing good things, and if it's not good, it's not God. What if he asks you to suffer for him? Well, I don't think I should have to suffer because, after all, Jesus did all the suffering, so why should I have to go through something I don't want to go through? Because if I go through something I don't want to go through, then I may not feel good about myself. I don't feel good about myself. I may not even get up tomorrow. That's self-idolatry. It's the fruit of humanism. Self, self-esteem cult. God's saying, listen, man, I need you. I'm a and, and, and training for reigning is I'm going to put you someplace that everything about where you are is going to tell you that I'm not, about, I'm not there for you. I don't care for you. I'm not there. But I want you to learn to live under my word. And what I said is true. Don't look at what you see. Agree with what I said. Don't look at what you see. Agree with what I said. Fellowship with me here because I need someone who will believe me in the face of opposition. So I can have someone who will resist the devil. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. But he's not, God is not here. Because when, 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 when he knows you're in the word and in the spirit and you're living, you're submitting your life to the word, in the spirit, into Jesus, you're trying to listen to him, you're taking the time. Prayer is the precursor for everything. Because then... When the devil comes, I go, wait a minute. I hate encountering you. You intimidate me. You threaten me. He's called the traducer, diabolos. It's the word traduce. And I've had to write, I've gone to, the, you know, I didn't, I neglected everything in school. But I had to go to um, Webster's Dictionary just a normal one, 
just to find out, what does traduce mean, a traducer? Let me just read it to you because it's, I wrote it down in my notes for this week. Traduce is to expose to shame or blame by means of falsehood and misrepresentation. So Diabolos, slander, the traducer, Satan, the accuser, he's a traducer. That means he will expose me to shame or blame. Oh, the reason you're in this trouble, the reason you're sick is because you didn't do that, because of that, because of so-and-so. The reason you're not happy is because you married the wrong person. If you marry, if unmarry that person, marry somebody else, you'd be even happier. Just a liar. Just a liar. Traducing. Exposed. Look at you. You're a failure. You don't even have any money. You tithe, but you think you're tithing. But no, but where are you? Where are you? You, you just don't. You are, a, you are a miserable person. God must have rejected you a long time ago. Just... Exposing, traduce, shame, blame through misrepresentation and falsehoods, lying. He's a liar. He's a liar, but how can I resist him if I don't know the truth? See, we, it, it, we do it. We, we're learning. And how you're in the middle of this. And I say, if I had to spend my life like this, it would be so, I don't have to stay here all the time. I recognize the adversary. He's trying to come in. He's trying to touch this. He's messing with my mind. I'm feeling like I'm not loved. Well, that's a lie. I am loved. I'm feeling like I'm going to die. That's a lie. I'm not going to die until the time appointed for me. So I have not any fear. So you start, the word, it just starts to really give you the capacity because you're submitted to resist. And you say, no, you're not going to do that. I'm going to live today in righteousness, peace, and joy because I can. Because it's the kingdom of God in the Holy Spirit. And I'm in the Holy Spirit, and the kingdom of God is come. And so I'm going to live in righteousness, which means it's all right. It's going to work out. Things are going to turn around. God is good. God is going to bring it to a breakthrough. Something better than where I am is going to be the outcome of where I will be. Righteousness, peace. I don't have to be afraid. I am. I'm standing inside of impenetrable life. My life is hid with Christ in God. I'm at peace. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move in advance. I have the gospel of peace. The God of peace is going to crush Satan under my feet. So it's okay. I can sleep. I can rest. I can let go. Enjoy. I can spin. I can cheer up. I can, I can delight myself. Every day, every single day, I've tested it. It never is reheld. God never says, well, Steve, until you sort out this and resolve that, until you get a better in this and better in that, he says, are you in here in my spirit? And is, are you claiming righteousness, peace, and joy as your inheritance because you're in my kingdom? Are you a subject of the king? Is he your Lord? Well, then, yeah, it's all yours. It's like an American citizen. you imagine if we thought that we were not accessing our citizenship, going through customs with your passport? You go, I sure hope I, somebody is not mad at me and says I can't come in. Maybe that's changing very quickly, but not in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom. In fact, this is a perfect place to stop. 
Because from there on, he tells these beautiful things. Draw near to God. Draw near. Draw near. How do you draw near to God? Like this. Jesus. Jesus. Father, I receive the testimony of your son, Jesus. I come to you through Jesus. I appear in your presence with Jesus over me, his intercession saving me. Father, I accept the testimony of the Son that in Jesus is life, eternal life. I'm accepting the truth that, that you, you did not, uh, you accomplished all in the Son and you have destroyed him who had power of the death. Jesus, I'm drawing near. See, I'm drawing near. I'm taking words of truth, a heart, moving upward, and submission to this, and I put my full focus on it. My full focus on it. All it takes is full focus. And then he comes, and he draws near. And then he begins to pull us into his embrace. Let's stand together. This is where fellowship begins again. Hi, Dad. Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. We submit to you, God. I submit to you, God. I submit to your Son. I come under the Son. Holy, holy, I submit to healing. I submit to deliverance. I submit to joy. I submit to peace. I submit to the Son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on inside the house. Come on inside. Oh, we submit to you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
ourselves a world transforming, revelating, encountering, and fellowshipping with God just to stay here for a little bit. And we will open the worship to continue. Some of us, Christmas is upon you, and you've got commitments ahead of you, and you've got to get going. All of us have been given access to this very place in the name of Jesus every day, in the living Word of God by the Spirit of God to encounter further, further, further in. And He wants it. He's looking for someone. I don't think yet the world has ever seen a man fully submitted, surrendered to the revelation of the truth of Jesus Christ. I know I haven't. Oh, but I want Him to know me. So Lord, I ask You to bless our day, bless our journey, bless our party on Wednesday. May it be a time of fun and laughter. Bless Mac McCoy, a great man of God that we have back in our house. We long for his joy and victory. David, Maxine, bless you guys. There's a returning happening right now, beloved. We're a part of a returning that's happening. We're part of a returning. So go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And may the mountains and the hills break forth with singing. And may the trees clap their hands and declare, Behold, He's coming! He's coming! He's coming! He's coming into the earth! Bring life and healing to all. In Jesus' name, amen.